Hello, before we get into today's episode, we just have a couple of announcements. If you have not been paying attention to your calendar, you maybe don't know that Mercury is in retrograde, and thus your very witchy hosts are taking the next a little under a month off during the retrograde. We will be back mid-November. Escape from Reality will be back on the 10th, and The Gaily Prophet will be back the week after that, whatever date that is. Yeah, and if you're um, missing our voices and our extremely exciting content, you can always um, join us on Patreon, where we will still be continuing to release content. Yes, and we are so excited to announce that we are about to launch a Patreon-only Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Holy shit. I literally can't even tell you how stoked we are about this. This decision came after Jesse and I recorded this intro, so I'm cutting and pasting it in, which is why you aren't hearing Jesse's excitement. But I promise you that we have been texting each other every five minutes about how stoked we are since the idea came to us, which was like two days ago. And we make decisions very spontaneously because we both have ADHD and this is very shiny and good for our depression. So, uh, you know, join our Patreon. Come join us. First episode of We Are the Gayers drops on Halloween. And also check out our social media because we'll also still be posting there. So the only thing that is different is that you will, we will not be popping up in your feeds, but that gives you plenty of time to, I don't know. Start reading Carry On. <laughs> yeah. Which is a perfect way to ease some of your, if you're uh, one of our listeners in the United States, your potentially terrifying uh, election anxiety, of which I know that I have and have definitely been reading a lot of YA to try to deal with this. <laughs> yes. Do that and then also alleviate that anxiety by voting. Please. Please let us come back from our break to a whole new world which you know only you can vote out all of the fascists so please do yeah and even if you're maybe not enthusiastic about voting for biden at the very least definitely check out your local elected officials your congress people and your senators they are just as if not more important to vote out the shitty ones and get in good people as the presidential election is. And you can even just Google their names and see what news article they pop up in doing terrible things. So definitely a way to figure out which one of those people you should fire. Yeah. And also, if you have judges on your ballot, do your best to research them. They're the hardest people to find out like what their politics are, but it's actually incredibly important to be mindful about who you vote in as judges. So do that research too. For example, one of the judges on my ballot is one of the judges in Michigan who is who is like, we want to take away our governor's emergency powers to deal with corona things because all of the Republicans believe in herd immunity uh, in Michigan which low estimate would kill 30,000 people. So definitely voting against that asshole. Oh my God. I know. I read an article. I'm like, oh, are you in the ballot? Oh, you are. What a fucking terrible mistake you're making. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. See, so (laughs) do your research and fucking vote. Uh, Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. And with that, 
The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to part two of our episode with the hosts of the Hashtag Wizard Team podcast, Robin and Bayana. Last week, you heard our front page and what did we call that section? The section where we talked about Sirius Black for 45 minutes. Uh, This week, you are going to be hearing the rest of the episode, and it is just as wonderful and hilarious as the one previously, so buckle up for a wonderful time. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff, and let's just pick up that Snape rant where we left it. He spent a lot of time fantasizing about, I don't know, watching Sirius be like having his soul set up by Dementors, which is He fucked. does so it's much wild. wrong in this chapter. <laughs> it's it's also, for me, it's one of those things, like, Snape, like, there's one thing about Snape. He can hold a grudge. Woo! And it is impressive in a way He's that a is, Capricorn. like, awful. He's a Capricorn. <laughs> he is! He it's is canon. a Capricorn. He's a Capricorn. He is! He is canonically a Capricorn. I forgot about that. Because he just, it's like, James is dead, like dead, dead, and, and you, you had a, and you had a hand in in him being becoming deceased, right? Like you you did something uh, directly, make, and like Remus has not. I don't. When's the last time Remus had like a job before this? And you're like salty about it? Like Sirius has been in prison for twelve, thirteen years, and you're mad now he got out, and right. he didn't even do the thing that he was in prison for. So like, I just don't understand. Like you. For all intents and purposes, he won. <laughs> he has a job. He's not going to ask man. Everybody knows that he was once a Death Eater, but they don't care. Like, he pretty much got out. He gets to torture kids, which is apparently something that he likes to do. So his life is pretty chill. Yep. And the minute Sirius or Remus or anybody from his childhood pops up, or anyone who reminds him of his childhood pops up, he's just like, nah, woe is me. I'm just going to, like... The, be the worst person. The number of caps when he shows up. Like, he just is screaming. <laughs> it's like your voice just... <laughs> like, the, like, from the time he, like, takes off the invisibility cloak until the time he gets, like, got. He's just screaming. There's, like, two parts, and they happen on, like, back-to-back pages. When Hermione says, like, Snape, uh, Professor Snape wouldn't hurt to hear, it wouldn't hurt to hear what they've got to say. And He's like, you're already facing suspension from this. You, Potter Weasley, are out of bounds in the company of a convicted murderer and a werewolf. And then she's like, but if they're keep quiet, you stupid girl, Snape shouted, looking suddenly quite deranged. Don't talk about what you don't understand. Meanwhile, he doesn't understand any of what's going on. Anything. The, the, the amount of, like, disdain and, like, speciesism about 
loop it as a werewolf, like that alone. Um, so I wrote in my notes, like it displays how little of his worldview has actually changed from when he was a Death Eater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the thing about like it's literally this chapter is when it's been like F State forever for me in particular. Like the ways in which he he uses biases and stereotypes to dictate his entire understanding of who Remus is, despite working alongside of him this whole year. Like you can still like not like him, but like Remus has literally just done his job and minded his business this whole year. He's helped Harry with like Dementors, but like that's part of his job, you know, and they happen to be like hanging around the castle. So it's not like he's going like he's doing something wild, like, you know, teaching him occlumency. Um <laughs> He's like teaching him a very practical skill that he needs to like survive this year. So his entire understanding of who Remus is and how he interacts with Remus is just based off of his own belief like set in stone belief that remus is dangerous and bad because he knows that remus is a werewolf like remus has not mm-hmm. actually done anything that would like reinforce that stereotype and to me it just shows that like he hasn't actually examined and, and all the time he's Voldemort has been gone and he's been working with dumbledore he's never actually examined what led him down that path in the first place so the only thing that is keeping him working against voldemort is pettiness and some sense of revenge which revenge from the thing that you wanted him to do. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? And that's, I, you know, Petty has its place. I'm not saying that, but like, you would like to at least believe that he would have taken some time to be like, I still don't like you, but I am not actively going out of my way to hate you. And I can see the roles and the role in which I played or the ways in which my worldview contributed to like the relationship that we have now. That doesn't mean that they need to fix the relationship, but like, you know, like Bayana said, he's been chilling. He's had a steady job. He's not been in Azkaban. People know that he was a Death Eater to what level or whatever. They know that he was like Team Voldemort and he's still accepted by society. He could have taken some time to just like work through his nonsense on his own. 11 years before even Harry showed up in his life again. He's had a, a decade. And there's not a, not a Dementor to be found on his shoulder. So what are you doing? And then I want to go to the next thing, this very Karen moment. I'm sorry. No, you're good. But Snape silkily, like just think of Homegirl with her dog in Central Park. Snape silkily says, I don't think we need to get that far to the castle. All I have to do is call the Dementors once we get out of the Willow. They'll be very pleased to see you, Black. Pleased enough to give you a little kiss, I dare say. Which is a white lady threatening to call the cops on that is true. a person for mm-hmm. just existing. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And that level of like state-sanctioned violence is a thing that we can get into. But like the idea and the knowledge that he feels so comfortable threatening Sirius's life in a very nonchalant way. Mm-hmm. And his belief that he's correct for it. Like, he's in the right. Black says, yeah, turn me in. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have, like, I have all of the... I got the receipts. The receipts that I need now to, like, prove my innocence. <laughs> turn me in. And he's like, why would I turn you in? Why would I give you a chance to prove yourself innocent? Why don't I just reinforce my own belief that you are who I think you are? Because I thought it when I was 11. Because I'm a miserable, disgusting human being who doesn't know how to bathe. And he says he's going to try and get them to, I mean, eat. Lupin too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, which which one of the kids calls it out? Where it's like, I, we've been Lupin's been a teacher for like not the entire school year. Like he could have yanked any of us at any time. 
Harry says, Professor Lupin could have killed me a hundred times this year. I've been alone with him loads of times, having defense lessons against the Dementors. If he was helping Black, why didn't he just finish me off then? Because that's just like a very obvious question to ask. But Snape is so stuck in what he wants this world to be and who he believes the bad guys are. Yeah. And if the werewolf isn't the bad guy, oh shit, is it me? Yeah, it's you, Bethy. <laughs> of course it's you. Yeah. He even, I mean, he has that information. They act like, oh, it's like a misunderstanding because he didn't hear everything. But I went through the last chapter in preparation for, for this one to see where Snape came into the room. And like, he reveals himself after Harry is like, so Snape doesn't like you because he thought you were in on this plan. And it's very clear that Lupin wasn't in on the plan. And Snape unveils himself and says, correct. <laughs> and then Lupin is like, are you going to do this over like a boyhood judge? And Snape is like, yes. yes. Absolutely. Like, I will not be listening to this because I'm still angry at you from when I was, you know, 16. So there's, I don't know, because I feel like. Obviously, J.K. Rowling really wants us to like Snape, and so she sets this thing up where at the beginning they're like, you didn't hear everything. And it's like, no, he 100% heard enough. He heard enough information that if he wanted to in any way be a reasonable human being, he he knows enough to be like, I think I need more information. And the reason why he's here is because he went off half-cocked over something he didn't hear the whole thing for and got his, like, love of his life i'm doing air quotes on a podcast no, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like if i right if i made the mistake of not getting all of the information and then running off to you know what i mean like oh right, i got the first time. The, uh, yeah i would never i would try my hardest to never make that mistake again oh remember the last time you went off and made a, a life-changing decision with half of the information yeah. what happened but i think he doesn't care about anybody in that room so i think he's less inclined to like think first about it yeah even though it's essentially the same thing it's a, it's the same behavior uh he's the worst mm-hmm. gosh darn <laughs> jesse were you gonna say something what i, what I want to bring up is that like it's so incredibly frustrating how like bulletproof snape's job is he doesn't yes. want to be he he doesn't want to be a teacher he shouldn't be a teacher and honestly, the fact that he is treating Lupin, literally his colleague at the school, like this, anyone should have fucking been fired. But Dumbledore's like, oh, you know what? It's fine. Whatever. I still need you. So you still have a job. And I'm like, if anyone's on staff act like this, they'd be fucking out. And I'm like, this is some bullshit. This is like fucking police unions being like, I can do whatever my job. I still have it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a pattern. Like, it's the same with Trelawney, where like, you just don't have these competent people because you need them to like be physically safe instead you give them a job but like the castle is huge like Chaylani could be living in her little tower and nobody would know unless mm-hmm. she came down for you know for meals she also doesn't actively hurt anyone <laughs> Chaylani is for the most part harmless yeah, except for like one time that one time she went off on Hermione was a little bit like she didn't need to be fired but she needed to be like reprimanded or something but like, yeah. but Snape is definitely by far the worst case of this, but it just feels like Dumbledore has this thing where he's like, is this person useful to me? Great. I'm going to like hire them to teach children. And that's the only criteria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down, 
how did he keep slash get a teaching license? Is there a teaching license? Because I don't think there's a teaching license. Um, Hagrid too. He, he was could've, Hagrid was Hagrid. Yeah, <laughs> he could have. And why did he not offer to do some other job to stay near Dumbles? He could have opened a shop in Hogsmeade, sold custom potions, anything else really. I also have. He could have done defense uh, consulting work or dark arts consulting work. How to build a Death Eater? How to not wash your hair? He could have done. <laughs> how to build a death eater how to build a like a network of death eaters how do you like you know what i mean he oh was, like, like community community he could have been, been a fascist community manager like yeah. he could have been he might have been good at it you don't know um, wait no or like <laughs> or like when companies hire hire hackers to hack into their system to be like you gotta pack exactly. this hole if i was a meat hacker you'd have no money he could be I like a white hat a white hat death eater. i don't know wow. he could have these are just some of the ideas that I came up with. <laughs> and mostly I thought he could have done like a concierge potion service. He could have supplied potions to the school. He like, there are many different things that he could have done in Hogsmeade or near or even from Hogwarts if he needed to be there in particular, like on the grounds that did not include having any say over children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or people in general. He could yeah. have been operations manager. You know what I mean? Like who's telling who's telling the the the, the house elves what the min, who's creating the menus for the house elves? Who's sending letters who's, home when the kids are being attacked? Who's sending letters home when the kids are being attacked? There has to be an operations a, a, an executive assistant to the head minister, an okay. assistant to the assistant. So like McGonagall's assistant is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, something no, like, like that. McGonagall is the deputy headmistress. He would just be Dumbledore's secretary, chief of staff. <laughs> <laughs> you know make sure his diary is in order there just could have been a lot of different things that he did but he comes in strong and in this chapter like the as soon as he reveals himself he also reveals 15 different ways in which he should have never been in this position in the first place because he shouldn't mm-hmm. be in this castle yeah. yeah yeah no he should never be around children ever um, also, he also just tosses away the invisibility cloak. So he could just stand under the cloak Nobody. and like stunned everyone and like rolled and like this Come would on. look at it in Come much on. different. Snape loves drama. Just... Stop it. He could not have done that. <laughs> just, just the dramatic. <laughs> he had to ripping it off. <laughs> yeah. The moment arrived and he could not let it l- pass. <laughs> oh yeah. Shake his hair over his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh my God. Like I feel like he was like pr- trying to practice self restraint, and then the moment for him to say "That's right" while whipping off a cloak came, yeah. and he was just like, "Oh, I can't! I can't! I just have to do it." <laughs> the urge, yeah, it's too strong. <laughs> Great. Um, let's see who has another editorial. I kind of want to take a moment to acknowledge how clever Peter is. Like, I feel like we like. I don't know that we did that very much on Wizard Team when we were at this point. And the book spends a lot of time saying that, like, Peter is weak and doesn't have courage and isn't very smart. But the way that he kind of got away and has been in hiding for 12 years, being fed, just like, you know what I mean? Like, that was pretty smart. Yep. Yeah. We have, like, a whole sort of ongoing thing about what if we ignored J.K. Rowling and we're like this man is like one of the marauders and was so close to James that he trusted him to be his secret keeper and like actually read this character the way he probably should have been written which is like mm-hmm. another 
you know, smart, charming, beautiful, like popular dude like the rest of his friends because it's just a more interesting story and also right you're right like all the pieces are there like he did become an animagi animagi he did come up with this plan to get the fuck away like he right clearly and it was a split thing it wasn't like he had planned it he thought everything was gonna be good the next day and then it wasn't and then Sirius came for him and he was like oh shit well gotta just make this like (laughs) quick getaway and it was effective yeah it was it was horrible like he you know there were casualties but like he got away yeah and like thought to cut off his fucking finger right and no one was looking for him like he yeah and i mean i just it's really interesting because i think that like we get to a lot of we don't ever really see someone get turned by voldemort we just kind of hear about it happening um and even with like peter like he's very it's clear he's like really afraid of Voldemort, but we don't get more of just like how he was brought in yeah. to that. And I think that that is... Because the way that it sounds in the in his explanation in this chapter, he's like, Voldemort was taking over everything, but, like, but you still had to go to him and offer your services. Right, there's a difference between being like, oh, he's taking over everything, so I'm going to just not fight, and like, oh, I'm going to go and get this tattoo. Yeah. Because like Slughorn, to me, is like a good example of what happens when you're like, I'm not about that Voldemort life, but I also am just trying to, like, mind my own business and keep my head down. You know what I mean? Like, he goes on the run. He doesn't go, like, he he doesn't think that they can win, right? It's like, he's like, I know right from wrong, but I don't, I think wrong's got it. I think they got it in four, you know? And yeah. so... He, like, moves to Canada. <laughs> right, right, basically. <laughs> and so, like... I think that that to me has always been really interesting and unbelievable. It's probably something that could be a correction of like someone got to Peter. Yeah. And like convinced him that not only was it better for him to stay out of the way, but to actively work for Voldemort. And then you like hear the way that like Sirius and Remus are talking to him in this chapter. And obviously this is like after it's clear that he had a really big part in like murdering their best friend. And Sirius but, has 12 years to like, Right, of like pent up, like, like there's there's a lot of things, but a lot of the stuff that they, they're saying to him could have been things that they've said in less, like, less intensely, I guess, but it could just be, like, throwaway things that they've said to him or things that other people have said to him. Because I'm sure, like, the way that the books present him as being, like, just the other marauder and just, like, you know, he's not cool, he's just hanging on their coattails. Like, that's how he, he was described um, by, like, Fudge and McGonagall and them, too. And so, like... That kind and of Hagrid. stuff and Hagrid, like that kind of stuff, festers, and it could it could totally be like a resentment thing that gets built up, and then something like a Death Eater or Voldemort is like, you could be great, you know, <laughs> you know, like right. one of those kind of moments. He should have written into Dear Prudence, and instead he was like, "I'm going to join the Death Eaters." <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's like the, the the outcome is terrible, and he shouldn't have done it. But there's is something to be said about like how, like I just don't think the books really look into how that happened. Right. Shocker. I wonder, too, because I'm thinking now, like, when you said that, like, if Peter looks into the mirror of Erised, I think it would look a lot similar to what Ron sees when he looks in the mirror of Erised, mm. like, setting himself apart, not wanting to be overshadowed. And, like, Peter had been overshadowed by the rest of the Marauders and discounted. And so a lot of it, and, like, you know, everyone in the fandom, I think, we, we have struggled with, like, what about Peter makes him a Gryffindor. And I think, like, that might have been his Gryffindor moment. Like, I'm going to, like, grab my moment of glory Mm -hmm. and show how smart I am 
and be on the winning side. And like in his brain, like Voldemort was going to win. And so what does that look like when you guys have all been subjugated and I'm standing next to the hand of the dude? You know what I mean? Like I made the right bet and I showed you that I am worth more and that I can be an integral part of a victory. It doesn't go that way. And he ends up being a rat. But I think that like that to me makes more sense than him being like, I'm scared. Let me scamper off to Voldemort. Right. So uh, I have something I want to bring to this conversation. But, uh, I think I like have brought it before we, we mentioned Peter, but now that we're in the chapter, we actually meet him, which I think it, I, I think for me, it's and so the nuance actually isn't in the text because JKR. But very, so very clearly, J.K.R. sets up this kind of, like, idea of, like, oh, like, Voldemort and Harry and Snape sort come from, like, sort of similar backgrounds, but have definitely taken the trauma they've lived through and have taken it in wildly different directions. Pete, and I think for me, like, Peter Pettigrew and Neville have, like, a very similar thing. Because, like, for the first, like, four books, you're kind of like, dude, Neville, like, why the fuck is Neville a, like... Gryffindor and even like all the other Gryffindors like he's like the butt of like every joke in Gryffindor and even McGonagall treats him shitty in this novel when he loses his list of passwords which he loses that the fucking cat stole the the one unforgivable (laughs) thing that Crookshanks does in this book and and I think and I think for me it's sort of like thinking about of like how easy would it have been for someone to approach Neville and be like yo I acknowledge that you're, like, a really good human being. And, like, just because you're, like, not good at some stuff, why don't you come join my club? And, you know, maybe if Neville hadn't have had the experience of having his parents tortured by fascists, maybe he would, like, have brought in the same sort of, like, incel Kool-Aid that, like, Snape gets into, you know, that Peter gets into. Because we don't know if the Death Eaters approached him being like, you know what, we can make you feel much better and cooler than, like, your current friends. Or maybe they were like, you're a pure blood. Don't you want to come jo- like come to this party and like feel a little more secure in this new world? And then it's like surprise fascism. And so, and the fact that I feel like, I mean, I have a very deep love of Neville. Like I love Neville. I feel a lot of, like I feel like I empathize a lot with Neville. And I feel like the way that the that Peter is described feels a lot like a way that someone who didn't know Neville could easily describe him. Because he's not quote-unquote good at magic until he gets a new wand at the end of book five or whenever the fuck he breaks he breaks his wand and has to get a new yeah. one and it's like everyone's like oh you're gonna herbology okay cool like that's not a real skill or whatever the fuck people want to say to him because he can't wave his wand and like have stuff happen for a while and so i think that thinking about it like that makes it much easier for me for me to imagine the ways in which the Death Eaters could have approached Peter to get him to be a spy for them. And obviously it's still on him. It's still on Peter to have made a decision that is made a decision, which is arguably the ineth- the unethical choice to have made. Like it's the immoral yeah. choice to Absolutely. be like, the Death Eaters are literally killing people. And even Sirius is like, Sirius, big Griff, big Griffin or Angie is like, we would have died. We would have, I would have died for James. Like we would have died for you. That should have been the choice that you should have made. And I think that's like, it's still a choice though. And it's like, not everyone wants to make that choice. And I, and which is, I think, relevant contemporarily right now, this moment we're having where it's like, you know, 
for various reasons, people, you know, maybe don't want to be like, I actually don't want to die for this cause. Maybe I'm actually not here for this cause at all in reality. And like some people leave it at that. And some people are like, oh, actually, I'm a white supremacist, JK, which is, I mean. Two very different choices. Like <laughs> Two very different choices. But these are choices that people make. Yeah. You know, and like it didn't seem like Voldemort's first rise gave you a lot of. Um, I'm just going to ignore politics. Like, I don't want to talk about political things. It's kind of like, either you're a Death Eater or you're going to fucking murder your family. Right. And so, and again, I'm not excusing Peter's choices of like, he definitely shouldn't have chose fascism, you know, but I I feel like I can kind of see where you would get to that point and without sort of maybe the kind of lived experiences to counteract the very bigoted views of the of the witching world anyway where it's like muggleborns are kind of weird slash we don't respect them and like you know werewolves aren't people and giants aren't people so kind of like that sort of like ambient way of growing up in the witching world mm-hmm. you know like you have to fight to not have those you know to fight those beliefs and like you can't all be serious who like literally grew up in the midst of like pure blood bullshit and is like now fuck that and then we have Peter, who's just like, took steps for this path that, you know, in a like bigoted society, it's like, I don't want to excuse, but I can see how that happened. Yeah. It's weird. As you were saying that, I was thinking of all of the like people that have a very big impact on the story. We know the, like, we do not know that much about Sir- or Peter's home life at all. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, even in the post canon, like, so we don't get that much about Remus's home life. We get like peaks of it in there. But post-canon, she did a whole profile on Remus, and we didn't get that for Peter. He has a mom who got his his thumb or whatever, his index finger, you know. Right, and that's it. But, like, all right, maybe he's not pureblood. Maybe he's, like, maybe his, you know, one of his parents is a muggle. Like, I don't think he's muggle-born. I think maybe we would have known that. But, again, I don't know. The note that I had about him in politics is just that he's, like, the perfect analogy right now for just, like, white voters generally. (laughs) He's just like, they were taking over everywhere. What was to be gained by not joining the fascists? And it's like, well, humanity and being a good person. (laughs) But, I mean... (laughs) If you're talking, like, your own power and, like, place in society, then I guess nothing, so... Right. Bye. (laughs) Wow, that's so true. If he felt like he had stuff to lose, I mean, which maybe is true or not true, but, like, if he felt that way, then, like, he would maybe want to hold on to, like... The little bit of power and prestige and influence that he has. But the question is, like, what would he be losing? Because presumably, like, all his people are in the Order of the Phoenix. So, like, by joining the fascists, he is, like, he's losing. So then it means that he, like, values a perceived social status more than he values any single relationship in his life, which is really interesting to think about. I mean, it sounds like white. Per- it sounds like whiteness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I feel like, and I hate to bring in tie it so closely, but it's like right in our face, our current politic. But no, that's what this podcast is for. You're fine. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna. I was gonna say we used to have this thing when Trump first got elected, and we didn't realize the depths of J.K. Rowling's trashness. Where we're like, this is our happy place. Let's try to, you know, the parallels are there, and we see them. But let's try to keep it chill. We don't have that anymore. But. 
I think about this a lot with like the people who go to work in the administration now at this point. It's like, you know what it is, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. I could see when he first got in charge and, you know, you had this I- idealized thing of like, well, maybe the office will change him or maybe he'll just stay out of the way and we can do good work or whatever. Which I, fa- I found bullshit at the time, but like I could see how someone could talk themselves into believing that. But yeah. now you've had four years of like knowing for a fact that that is not the case. And the only thing I can think about is the overwhelming need to feel tied to power and being so short-sighted and thinking that like what is happening now, what the status quo is now is how it will be forever, right? Because if you think about like, my, my biggest thing is like, why would anyone just ruin their future to go work for this person at this point in time? Like, mm-hmm. why would you throw away any sense of like respectability any virtue signal, you know what I mean? Like just, you're just giving away your everything to like for what a couple of months in this administration. Like, how is right. that going to help your resume when he's right. gone? Because people are right. like, we see what's happening, right? right? Like, there's no coming back from that. And it's because I think there are there is there's a certain type of person who only sees what's in front of them and can't see how that how tides change, how things that are happening now won't be this way forever. There's mm-hmm. no long term thinking. And there's no imagination for a better future or for a different way of being. And I think that that's one thing that Peter has in spades is like he does not have any imagination to imagine a way in which he can build the future that he wants for himself. He doesn't, I don't think he knows really who he is or what he actually wants, Mm. but he does know that he doesn't want to be discounted or he doesn't want to be that weak friend over there, but he doesn't know how to do that for himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a lot of people or people with like creativity and a sense of purpose and drive or, and you know, ambition to various degrees. I don't feel that I'm a particularly ambitious person. Right. But I do feel that like I have the capacity to make my life um, and to find the life that like I'm capable of living and getting to a point to where I can be comfortable and I can be content you know, I'm old now, so I'm not trying to be wildly happy. I don't think that that's like, you know, like I have come to like the realization that the world gets in here some ways and there are going to be some like external limitations on like what I can accomplish and my happiness. But I do feel like I can be creative enough to find something that gets me to contentment. I don't think that Peter ever got that, right? Like even with Sirius, he's coming out of Azkaban and like has to go on the run after this. He finds small ways of being creative and being involved yeah. and keeping, you know, relevant and keeping to be a, a, like, and holding on to the parts of the world that he finds valuable, but he has to be very creative to do that. And mm-hmm. like, he has to build that life for himself within the confines of like what society has given him. It's given him a raw hand. Right. So he goes off after this and he goes to the tropics and gets a much needed vacation, <laughs> comes back and is like, I'm just, I'm a dog in grandma place. And that's, you know, but like, I'm going to be useful. I don't right. think that Peter has that capacity, that capability. Uh, Jesse, <laughs> do, you, do you have um, another rant? Uh, I do. That has nothing to do about surprising complexities of Peter Pettigrew, I feel like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, not the complexities of just like us trying to fill in the gaps of yeah. what his character is and means. Uh, this is a a little bit of a correction, which is Sirius says that he escapes 
uh, Azkaban in that he was already pretty skinny, so he, like, runs out of his cell and, like, slips to the bars and swims ashore. We've already established that Sirius is a bear-sized dog in his dog form. If the bars can fit a bear-sized dog, they're basically people-sized. Like, what the fuck is the point of these bars? And I, so I feel like this might be a correction, because at that point, I could just walk through a pair of bars that could fit a, like, I think a he's really fluffy. <laughs> you, like, if you get a fluffy dog wet, it's a very, it's a much smaller dog. Yeah. But I feel like he's fluffy, but still big enough to be able to subdue a wolf along with however big of a, like, deer James is. I always thought about an Irish wolfhound. I always thought of Sirius as an Irish wolfhound. Um, And they're very tall and very big, but they're very skinny and lanky. They kind of look like Remus looked in the movie, because I don't know why they made a werewolf look like a gerbil. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that was that was really just a misstep. But I mean, we were thinking about it like if Harry mistook Sirius for a bear, he was probably like a Newfoundland or something. And those are those are not skinny dogs. Those are no. fluffy dogs. But they're still yeah. they're still big dogs. Yeah, it's one of those things where like J.K. Rowling really loves exaggeration to the point where like. When she kind of like slowly stops using it, you're just like, but, but, but what was that? <laughs> yeah. I don't, this isn't adding up. I also yeah. think she doesn't understand like proportions in any sense <laughs> of the word. Like, how many people are actually in the wizarding world, woman? Like, how big is this dog? How small is this dog? How many students go to Hogwarts? How many no students one knows. go to Hogwarts? Somewhere between like 280 and 800. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What proportion of the population is wizards? And what does that actually mean? Um, Yeah, I had that question too, kind of um, in a correction. Is everyone in Azkaban in solitary confinement all the time? And if if that's the case, then why not just kill them? Like, what is the... This sounds awful, but I'm thinking like in like economics in the most detract, like devoid from human humanity type of way. How does this work practically for the wizarding world? Well, um, like how does how does rehabilitation work? It's because how does... they have to keep the Dementors on Azkaban, and that's the only way that they can keep the Dementors on Azkaban is if they put like this is like, like yeah like, on Pottermore. So I think that's no, why. I know, but like is because they're like, well, we ha- if we just so there's if this we dumb... have if we have like a you know any kind of way to get them out at some point, then the Dementors are coming for us. So once you go to Askman, you're just in Askman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's like some. Because I always thought that there were there were like you're you've sentenced for five years or two years or something, but the way in which Sirius talks about getting Fudge's newspaper, it's like they don't get access to the, they don't have like a yard to walk around in because if you're in Askman for twelve years and the Dementors are feeding off of you, like how long until you just don't have it? <laughs> like when does the kiss set in? You know what I mean? Like, you should at least give them some time to, like, build up their emotional reserves, even if they're just going to get drained again, which sounds awful. But, like, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think there's really because of the proportion, <laughs> Because of the proportion be thing awful. in terms of, like, how many wizards are there. It's like, you yeah. can't just keep sending a steady diet. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of people die. Yeah. And, right. I mean, Sirius says most people lose their entire minds within a month, and I don't think that the, that comes back after you 
after you leave. So even if you sentence someone to two years, like they get out and it's, they're probably going to end up like with Neville's parents in St. Mungo's. If you lose your mind in two months, are the Dementors still feeding on you? Then what are they feeding on? If you don't mm-hmm. have any happiness left, right? So shouldn't you be giving them like walks in the sunshine, access to the news, keeping them, so- you know what I mean? Like giving <laughs> them access to like refuel their emotional reserves so that they can get drained again. I don't know. It just, it doesn't I mean, make sense. Yeah, but I would say that you're also speaking as if like witches and wizards do anything like if it's going to make sense they often do the opposite. I so know. <laughs> there's that part of it. They do not like efficiency. Not at all, but like it just seems like yeah. you also don't want to be you don't want to be sending half of your population to to ask man. You're not wrong. I think there's still a lot of questions about even right how all of this works cuz yeah, like how are there death eaters that are still alive like 12 years later that haven't been turning into dogs so they don't lose their entire frontal lobe yeah basically. it really makes you wonder like Sirius says that he made it through because he was like he knew he was innocent but like what then did like Bellatrix focus on to be able to like keep I feel like she her, her love of, of I feel like for her it's like she knew that which she which isn't was... good anyway <laughs> no not at all <laughs> But I was, I was thinking it's, like, her belief that she's right. You know what I mean? Like, she's a true believer. And, like, we don't think she's right, but she's, like, I did the right thing. My I, my moral compass is clear. Right. So then that's also, like, not a happy thought. Yeah. yeah. But it's, like, something she can focus on. Yeah. Which is, like... It's just such a fucked up given that we don't that we don't get that uh, in terms of like Bellatrix or any of the Death Eaters that get out like the idea that it's like Sirius is like well I stayed sane because I knew I was innocent and so like everyone else in prison deserved to lose their minds because like they were guilty it's just right. like JK Rowling you're such it's a monster like <laughs> in terms of like the f- failed allegories of Harry Potter it's like Azkaban is supposed to teach us something about like why prison is terrible and then we get like as long as you're innocent you don't have anything to fear from torture prison which is like the opposite of what she claims to have been trying to do with Azkaban yeah absolutely I still even feel like like logistically the whole part about Sirius being like this wasn't a happy thought and I'm just like I'm just so curious about so you're like mealing over how you're innocent but all your friends are dead is like (laughs) If it's not a good thought, I'm I'm just like, but but it's not like is it like is it like a neutral thought? Like I'm just like so confused. Like how does this allow you? Maybe to it's like a self. Is it is it like righteous or like self righteous? Is that not happy? I don't know. I'm thinking about like in uh in Doctor Who whenever the Doctor is trying to like get someone to like not transform into like a Cyberman. And he's like, think about grief. Like, think about how how mm-hmm. much that feels, how encompassing that feeling is. And so maybe it's like that, where it's like if you focus on a not happy feeling, but a feeling that is deeply tied to your humanity, then like mm-hmm. the Dementors can't take that from you, but it roots you in your being. Oh my God, that is awful. As someone who loves avoidance... <laughs> <laughs> a therapist once told right. me avoidance worked and I didn't listen to the rest of her sentence I was like bet and I think <laughs> that just hearing that is terrifying to me Lark says 
the way to hold on to your main humanity is to not avoid. I, in that fact, I said that that grief. the doctor says that. That is <laughs> attribute that to like, the let's, movie. Be, let's be clear. <laughs> also, remember that one time that Amy proved that it's actually better to think about Wrong. love. So, yeah. yep. With what was his name? He was. He had the little heart thing with the dollar. Yeah, I literally yeah. just watched that episode, and I can't tell you what it was. But. <laughs> it was the one with the Lego Daleks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I do. Ha- I do have a point for this, which Sirius has a line that I feel like is sort of a a big mood. <laughs> I feel like where he was like, "Yeah," and then I found out that Peter was at Hogwarts, and he's like, "It wasn't a happy feeling, but it was an obs- it was an obsession, and it gave me strength." And I'm like, "Wow, that's a big like ignoring my problems by reading fanfic mood." <laughs> 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 or like, absolutely, when you like binge watch something and you're like I don't even know if I'm enjoying this or not but like I'm really glad to have something to yeah. focus on that's not my that life and the world suck. and I'm like uh <laughs> yes I think too though it goes back to the power of petty like when I read that I don't read, I read I read that as like my petty carried me through like I'm going to you know what I mean like I said F it you're not gonna get me I'm gonna get you <laughs> I just I feel like you're just saying that Sirius's Sirius's feelings are a lot of our feelings. That's really what I think you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Um. All right. I would like to talk about two things that really annoyed me in this chapter. One right. of which they're sort of the same thing, but it's sort of just everyone's inability to like do things in a timely manner. Um, this, this moment where like Harry's like, no, he said he killed my parents before you got here, Lupin. And then Sirius is like, I meant like, I might as well have. And it's like, we could have saved so much time if you just would say what you mean. And then in the same vein, they could have done the spell to force Peter to reveal himself 20 entire minutes ago. And then- everything would have been so different like do the spell tie him up talk harry and ron and hermione through all of the things after proving that the rat was a dude would have saved at least 15 minutes of conversation of them being like but the rat can't be a dude like just prove that first first and then get to the rest of the shit that you need to say like what is everyone doing yeah i think it's definitely um, it feels like, like we were talking about earlier how long this chapter is, and definitely just feels like some editing needed to happen. It just, like, it's a lot. And I, I really like this chapter, but it's definitely very, it's like very circular and repetitive, and there are some things where it's like, and maybe because, like, cause I, my eight-year-old sister just recently read this book, and when she got to this part, she was freaking out. And I remember, like, as a kid, like, getting to that part and freaking out and didn't feel long. So maybe it has to do with that, too, is, like, you know, you're just kind of, like, it's still for a younger audience. But, like, reading it now, I'm like, okay, I get it. I know. <laughs> just, like, let's <laughs> show, me the, show me the rat, please. <laughs> yeah, it's like when, you, when you're first going through it, you, like, you desperately want all this information. So it's really good to have. But yeah, as an adult, I'm like, we've been in this chicken shack for two hours. Like, y'all should have been like, we'll tell you why we walk up to the castle with this right. dude who's supposed to be dead. And so we can, like, diffuse the Death Eaters and Fudge and be like, oh, by the way, Sirius is totes innocent. Here's your evidence, this grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. So, 
And then we could have just avoided so many things that happened. So many things. So many things. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. Um, Robin, do you have another rant? I, this one is more health and science, but where is like the Wizarding World like medication management? And like, I understand that like there's still a societal thing about being a werewolf, but like, is there not a HIPAA law? Why is Pomfrey not the one that goes and makes sure that Re- Remus has his wolf spins pushing? Right. Why I would like to me? think of it as like dialysis or chemotherapy or something like that, where you have like a, a appointment at this time to take this thing because it is necessary and it's timely and like. If you're not, you know, I, when I first started taking ADD meds, I stopped because I was like, I can't remember to take this pill. And if I don't take it at the right time, like my whole day is messed up. I, there, there was like a few times and I would, it would be like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd be like, oh crap, I didn't take my pill. And then I'd pop it and then I'd be like, oh no, what did I just do? Because now I'm not <laughs> going to bed. And there are like people who, for no fault of their own, but like have a difficult time taking time-based medications on time. Mm-hmm. So medication management, especially in something that could be considered a public health risk, yeah, mm-hmm. doesn't seem smart to just be left up to Remus and that petty ass snake. <laughs> he has no bedside manner. No, <laughs> it doesn't make it like I wouldn't be looking forward to taking Wolfsbane's potion if that also meant that I had to come in contact with that man. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's I would like love to go like down to like thing. you know, catch up with Madame Pomfrey, drink some tea, share some spill some tea, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that seems like something I would become a part of my routine. Especially cuz she definitely knows. Right? And like was yeah. I, I'm assuming was helping him back when he was like a student. Yes. So she, like they say that she walked him to she was the one that like walked him to the Yeah, the, so like why not just have him continue that? to do that? Yeah. Cuz Dumbledore loves to give Snape things to do. That he should he has no range for. No, I, you know now I'm wondering if Snape just like because you know so you know in like the um in the flashback the Prince's Tale where Snape is just like pacing in Dumbledore's office like talking shit about Harry and Dumbledore is just like really bored. I wonder if that's what Snape would be doing if Dumbledore didn't give him shit to do. Right. He's like you know what I'm a, you make the Wolfsbane potion because I just can't. I need I need an hour I need to, to not <laughs> hear your like rants about these children. I just okay. And then there's another thing. Wait, hold on. Jesse wanted to Wait. say something. Oh, sorry. I don't remember what I was going to say. I just, this, this is just all st- an excellent point about why isn't Madame Pomfrey just involved with this entire fucking program? My next thing goes back to Snape and his qualifications for being a teacher and, and also just being <laughs> in the world. It's like, if, if Dumbledore gave testimony that like Snape was working for him and he's not really a Death Eater and whatever, and then says as a part of his like plea deal or whatever he's going to be working at hogwarts why does he not have mandated therapy and why do like a lot of these like teachers they're like where is the teaching certification but also like why do you not have mandated therapy there is and not in this book but the next book a kid dies at school and no grief counselor is there to be found and like the department of child welfare and human services and the department of like just like health what are they doing what do they do with their time? Because that seems there's an N- there's an NHS in Britain. Is there not one in the in the in the magical world? No. Is no. there? Is, is it not? Is not it heavily subsidized bit. like Hogwarts is? You know what I mean? Like, are they playing copays? Is that why? No. Like Snape is like, well, on this teacher's salary, I'm just gonna keep my trauma and pettiness and like rage issues unchecked because I can't afford the forty dollar copay. Like, what's going on? I think that's probably. I don't think really it exists, honestly. 
Yeah, uh, there are not therapists no. in this world, even though everyone desperately needs it. Everyone uh, needs clearly. one. Yeah. Because even, like, the Wolfsbane potion, like, Remus says yeah. Wolfsbane potion is expensive and hard to get. And it's like, if y'all don't want werewolves running around unchecked and you don't want to create more werewolves, I've been watching a lot of Animal Planet. This is, like, a big thing with, like, <laughs> dog rescue in general. It's like, if you don't want stray dogs, you have to spay and neuter your dogs. Yeah. And cats. Like, that's how you, that's the only way that you prevent strays. Now, even if you want to be a breeder, whatever, like, no, if you think that you're going to be an at-home breeder, spay and neuter your pets, please. Because they're just going to go out and make more babies, and those babies are going to have babies, and so on and so forth. If you do not want werewolves in your world, we'll spend pushing <laughs> should just be flowing, right? Yes. Because what happens? Once a month, these werewolves un checked with their you know basically not being spayed or neutered go out and make more werewolves (laughs) (laughs) like it sounds weird to say it that way but that's what's happening like remus in his right mind is not going to make werewolves and even remus in his like not right mind is a special case when he goes and he locks himself up and chains himself up to make sure that he doesn't put himself in that position but like left unchecked and in this like form we, and like, in the situations where he finds out that his two best friends are just like under the shrieking shack, right? We almost have a situation where there like, was a there. What Ron, Hermione, Peter, Harry, Snape. Five more werewolves could have been made tonight, y'all. Mm-hmm. That shit should be flowing like like Viagra. <laughs> just give it, Not like, like just throw it at him. <laughs> See, this is why. I would never want to be in this world. This is not a good fantasy world. You have magic and you can't... There's a clear solution to having not dangerous werewolves and no one's fucking doing it for no goddamn reason. It's like you have the resources and the ability to do so. You just won't because bigotry. Might as well be America at this point. (laughs) Right. But like, why have magic if you're gonna... like? It's good for storytelling, I guess, I will say. But to live? No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so to oh, that end, I, I want to piggyback on that though, because there's like I find it highly unbelievable that Lupin would have forgotten his potion at all. Like mm-hmm. he Snape was like, You already had forgotten to take it by the time I came to your office, which means he forgot it before he like, you know, was preoccupied by the whole thing that was happening. I find that extremely unbelievable, but the fact that after Snape has showed up, been like, you forgot to take your potion. That's why I went to your office. And then he's like, Remus then what forgets that he didn't take it and is like chain pedigree to me. Let's go out into the moonlight. Right. He like, should have been like, you know what? I'm gonna stay here. Y'all got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. He would have been like, oh, hold on. I forgot to take my potion. Right. I should probably not come with you. And you guys understand. should get out of here right and now. And that probably... Yeah. Right. I mean, that probably yeah. is a correction, but, like, it just made me really frustrated. Yeah. Or even Hermione, who, like, is just... Right. She'd been like, wait, 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 didn't Snape say you forgot to take your potion? I've been taking minutes in my brain of everything exactly. that everyone this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just like... We're already on part five of the agenda, and I believe uh, <laughs> the, the new business is that you didn't take your fucking potion. <laughs> 
<laughs> she have been like, Snape, let me stop you right there. Right. In <laughs> nighttime, I believe that we're actually going to need to relocate. We've been under here for like three hours. Yeah. We should probably take care of this real quick. She like peeks out the like boarded up window and is like, ooh, five minutes to sunset. So right. <laughs> let's wrap this up. It, it- <laughs> It also doesn't seem correct that at some point Lupu would have been like, you know what, my joints really hurt. I think this is, I think I'm about to turn into a wolf right now or like something. Like, there's got to be like a physical something. Yeah. Up. yeah. Right. It's weird too because the, like, the way that it's written is they go outside and the clouds clear and then the moonlight touches him. But that's like, so then that that's means like weird. if you're in, if yeah. you're in Britain, there might be whole months where you don't change because it's over cloud, it's overcast, or you know what I mean, like yeah, or if you just close your windows, if like, I, right, exactly. Or me, it's like, oh, I'm a werewolf. Bye, guys. I'm gonna go live in in Alaska where the sun is out 24 hours a day for half the year, and then I'm gonna go to Antarctica or wherever <laughs> where the sun. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna live in the daylight. For the rest of my days. Yeah. Like, that's not realistic yeah. at all. Or just, like, pull a spike and just wear a big blanket over your head when you <laughs> go outside at night. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just a full continuity error. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he should have already been changing into a werewolf while they were talking. Yes. It was, as soon as the it was for the, the thing is, though, is that it was definitely for the drama. And, mm-hmm. like, sometimes I can excuse it if it's for dramatic effect, even though it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, but, you know. Yeah, he just Like pauses. Snape feel it, realizing, like, yeah. oh, this is my time. But on this podcast, we we don't excuse bad writing when it comes no, to... No. <laughs> that's not an excuse for drama. <laughs> just, like, think about it harder and figure out a way to make it so that, like, you watch the sunset as mm-hmm. they exit the the willow like yeah. not the, the clouds part and the moon touches but like the sun dropped below the horizon at that moment yeah, and then it's right. like fuck i fixed it look i thought about it for five seconds and i fixed the problem yeah in the numerous werewolf stories that i have read and since then it's usually when the moon hits its zenith but they can feel it. They like they are very aware of all phases of the moon. Mm-hmm. And then there is like yeah. it hits its zenith on the full moon, and the change is pulled from them. It right. doesn't matter where they are at. Right. It's like a, it's like the tides, or you know. Yeah. Right. Know. It's like getting your period, where you're like, exactly. why am I yelling and dropping everything? <laughs> right. Oh, I'm about to start bleeding. Exactly. Yeah. Which Without I mean, maybe fail. it's just one of those. Maybe things. it's like that. Maybe he's like, I don't know why I feel. Maybe it's like every month. Like, right. You're I was like, about, I was about to say this. I was like, <laughs> every month my back hurts. Maybe I'm dehydrated. Maybe I'm de. Oh shit! Like, <laughs> could be that. It could, it could, that could be how Remus. I don't believe that that's how Remus would live his life because he seems so right hell bent on not. He's being... definitely got like if if he was in like this time he would have the app. Yeah, like, he would have the tracker. Like the, the tracker. Oh my god, I'm thinking about Re- my favorite fanfic. He goes and lives in the Muggle world, and mm-hmm. still the night. It's like the 80s, 90s, or whatever. But I'm thinking about like Remus living and surviving to like our time period and being like, oh, I have a period shout tracker. Like, does this thing? Yep. I'm not using it for what, what it was designed for, but, but it does the it's job. Helpful. <laughs> you get like the notification two days. You're like, thanks. thanks. <laughs> what are those like anarchist uh, planners, Jesse? That 
we all uh, had. slingshot. Yeah, in this time period, Remus would have had a slingshot planner with the fucking moon tracker at the at the back of it, where he could just right. reference, or honestly, just up on the wall and like crossing off the days because he's like very concerned about this there's probably some like cool like magical contraption like Dumbledore has all those like weird instruments in his office like yeah like you could just have one and it just like sits in his office and it like see it yeah (laughs) whose turn is it I just got all thrown off Robin where are we at we're still in editorial. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone through all of my notes, y'all. Okay. I have yes. I have one that's, like, sort of fun. I just really love, like, the Scooby-Doo of this chapter. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo of it all is really, like, great to me. You kids and your like, little yes. dog. You're, you know, like, the unmasking, <laughs> and then I would have gotten away with it, too. Because they, you know, the trio are some meddling kids. Serious as a dog. They sure are. It's just... <laughs> Peter Pettigrew had a mask on. Yeah. He was wearing a disguise. I I just, I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. It's also, like, we were talking about, like, Harry letting Peter go or whatever, but that's also, like, the moment that he fulfills the prophecy for, um, like, Trelawney's prophecy. Mm. When he decides, like, oh, wait, no, let's not kill him, because, like, if he had, then there would have been no Return. return of, I mean... Voldemort might have returned, but that prophecy, like, I think Dumbledore has talked about, like, not all prophecies are fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like that part is really interesting, just in terms of, like, long game stuff, and then, like, making, not that Harry is responsible for Voldemort's return, but, like, having him be connected to that, yeah, I just think is really interesting. Wow, that's so true. Do you think that if, in that moment, Harry had, like, remembered the prophecy, do you think he would have made a different choice? Maybe, I th- I mean I don't know. It's hard to say with with Harry, <laughs> but um, because I think that in his head, because again, like they forgot that like Remus hadn't taken his potion, so like, and maybe in his head he's like confident that they can like get to the castle before anything happens. Mm-hmm. But maybe he'd have been a little bit more vigilant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I would not have been able to get that prophecy out of my brain as soon as it was like, look, here are at least two options of people that could be the servant that she was referring to. Like, I should be really on top of paying attention (laughs) to what's going on Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I would forget. Do we know if Harry has ADHD? I think I said that before. I think you have, yeah. I've diagnosed him before. (laughs) Gotta get, like, shiny new object of, like, Sirius and, like, homeboy was a rat, now he's a human, and then that prophecy is out of my head, even though it really should not have been and it's like oh <laughs> too much information a lot to take it <laughs> yeah yeah so. i mean i i i would i mean it's definitely possible that harry has some like memory issues a little bit i mean trauma really fucks up your short-term memory yeah like a yeah. lot and he has his trauma and voldemort's trauma in his head too so like <laughs> oh my god that's a lot yeah uh so when I was rereading this scene, it's been a long time since I read this book. I just couldn't get c- couldn't get out of my head. Like you know when you go over someone's house and they have a dog, and you know if you're like at a party and you're eating, and the dog's like looking for the person who's definitely gonna give them some food. <laughs> and I am always that person because I'm like you can tell that I'm the sucker, and you are correct. <laughs> and so I feel like Peter was trying to suss out. Who is the tender-hearted sucker yeah. in this group that's going to be like, I don't want to kill you? Yeah. And it was Harry. 
And it's like Harry is that Harry's the person who would be like you go to your house and like give your dog like half of his food because the yeah. dog like it looked hungry. It's like the dog eats. Like, do you not see the whole bowl of food? Like, dogs you don't have to feed my dog want. half. Okay. <laughs> Jesse comes to my house and I'm like, Rufio is allergic to everything. Stop. I was like, No, I love you. I'm in your lap forever. <laughs> Oh man, so, me and Rufio. I at least try, I at least asked to be like, can this dog have this cracker? Right. That's yeah. true. No, you do. I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, that's just like what I had a very clear instinct of like, who is the sucker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, not that being kind makes you a sucker, um, but it's sort of like, who can I con enough because you have a soft heart? And yeah. Like, having a soft heart is good, but I still feel a little bit like. Harry, I get it for your whole hero arc, but, like, you got conned a little bit. (laughs) Just a little, yeah. Jesse? I also have a thing that I super appreciate in this chapter, which is... So there's a lot of, like, foreshadowing that, like, you're like, oh, I didn't notice that. But, like, the biggest one is where everyone's like... Ron's like, how'd you know it was Scabbers? And Lupin's like, yeah, how the... Like, and it's like, I saw in the paper. And then Lupin's like, the fuck did you get this paper from? (laughs) And he's like... Fudge left it for me like last year, and I saw I saw Peter, and you just like what the fuck? <laughs> like a throwaway line in the beginning of this fucking book yeah. is like set this entire chain of events up. Are you kidding me? Yeah, she's she can do a mystery. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, <laughs> no, she can do one. It's just the it's the other stuff. Yeah, it's everything yeah. surrounding it. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, it's like this keep. book and book four. Is like, yeah, around a very tight mystery, which I feel like are the part of the reasons why like three, four, and five are like a rotating my favorite ones. Yeah, but that's one of the one of the few things that you can that say that are good about some of the yeah. books. Of the <laughs> Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it, this whole book, right? It's criminal justice reform. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the entirety of this book. I wrote school to prison pipeline because <laughs> the way in which um, Snape threatens the trio with expulsion, mm. and um, he's already on his just like I'm calling the mentors. Y'all gonna get ex- y'all gonna get expelled. The ways in which. Fudge sends the Dementors to the school mm-hmm. and like just think about yourself from age 11 to 17 18 how many bad memories the Dementors can feed off of that are just like in that or bad feelings that are in that castle just like percolating mm-hmm. and then like all of the ways in which I think about a lot about like the Marauders and the way in which they started becoming anime guy for a good reason or a, a wholesome you know they want to help their friend and be there for their friend and then the ways in which that turns for peter sinister for serious it you know becomes like his saving grace but like doing all of that in like secret and solitude and and, and leading to like this like anti-establishment which i'm all for but the establishment is also just like throwing these children in prison like there's no mm-hmm. reason even if Sorry, this sounds awful. But even if Sirius did murder, was it 12 people on the street and Peter and worked for Voldemort, he's 21 at the time. He should have gotten a trial. He should have gotten some sort of like speaking with a therapist and like mental health evaluation. 
there should have been some acknowledgement that they were in the middle of a war. So, you know, what is that? Like, what are the rules of engagement there? And the ways in which the society is set up to throw people away. Mm -hmm. Um, They threw Remus away before he even got a chance because he got bit when he was a child. And then again, we don't know the numbers and the percentages of like who's what, but like, to me, it feels like an unacceptable amount of loss for a society. For sure. For no one to like be talking about this in any meaningful way, for it not to be like, we just did um, a th- talking about like Hermione and SPEW, but like not, you know, like advocating for just like structural reforms within the ministry. Mm-hmm. In Chamber of Secrets, we see again, like it's the thing that like I, I obsess about to this day, Fudge coming in and taking Hagrid and saying, mm-hmm. must be seen to be doing something. And that never coming up again. She's not given reparations. She's not given an apology. She's not set up to like even get services. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. once they find out that she actually, even the first time should have never been expelled from Hogwarts. They don't do anything to, you know, help um, give her the education that she needs to like, you know, change her life in any way. And so I think that like, all of the ways in which the ministry, but the world in general just sets people up and throws them away. And by the nature of your birth kind of defines what your life is going to be like. It's crazy to me because of JK Rowling's insistence that like she says, like she did this with her, like she, what she meant with Hermione was that magic is a level playing field, but it's not <laughs> like clearly sure not. It is clearly not that. The Malfoys are able to like get away with what they have done by claiming being imperial, um, imperious. But like we find out, you know, post canon and, and like stuff in um, Pottermore, like a lot of their riches and stuff came from like exploitation of muggles and and thievery and bad fa- bad faith stuff. Um, and then they're just allowed to use that money and status to continue on doing really crappy things there's no checkers and so mm-hmm. yeah i it, i wrote it as school to prison pipeline but i also think it's just a matter of like structural systematic injustices that are baked into this world mm-hmm. and unfortunately we do not have a single person whose sole purpose in the story or not sole purpose but who has a purpose in the story to call it out like we get these like little mentions and you're like oh that's wrong oh that's wrong but mm-hmm. there's no one screaming about it and yeah. i just don't or see if how there is like in the way that hermione does in goblet of fire it's very much like the text doesn't take it seriously yeah it's very much like oh just look at hermione being over there yelling about stuff and like you know what i mean like it's not it's just interesting because it on the one hand like you were saying like jk rowling says that she or you can even see like hints of her like being like oh i want to talk about these things i want to talk about these injustices but it doesn't go very far like even with the house elves it's like oh like owning house elves isn't wrong but the malfoys owning house elves is wrong or like you know what i mean so it's mm-hmm. very much just like a black and white if the bad guys do this thing then it's bad but if you know if harry owns creature that's okay because we need him for i don't know to keep secrets for the order or whatever right true yeah she doesn't she she doesn't go against the establishment like you said like she sets up all of these ways in which the establishment is a failure but then doesn't set up the ways that does never tears it down even in like the like post-canon epilogue whatever like you make you make hermione the ministry of the minister for magic and cursed child and nothing is different 
Yeah, and, and like a thing that we just come back to over and over again is that like J.K. Rowling cannot be trusted with an allegory. No, no. not even God, a little bit. No, someone needed to come in and and just be like, stop, stop, <laughs> stop. You're you're doing a terror. Stop with the allegories. Just write the wizard book. Like you yeah. don't don't try. Stop trying to talk about like prison. Stop trying to talk about slavery. Like you're doing an absolutely atrocious job. Like, yeah, just c- cut it the fuck out and. Yeah, I mean, I think the same thing happens here with, like, the werewolf allegory fails us here at the end of this book, even before we meet fucking Greyback, because it's like, you know, it's HIV, blah, 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 like, look at uh, Lupin, he's so harmless, like, we love him and trust him, everyone's being a bigot, and then it's like, oh no, he forgot to take his medicine, and now he's trying to kill everyone, like a werewolf, and it's like... You didn't even make it to the end of the goddamn book before you <laughs> fucked up your fucking allegory. Like, yeah. stop. You're doing a terrible job. Unless that was her reasoning all along. I mean... Which I wouldn't be surprised by now. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, yep. <laughs> uh, Bayana. I mean, this kind of is, but not because it's Snape and like, but I was also thinking about just like not listening to children and just like kind of to him just kind of throw, I mean, like we've already established that he was there for most of the time and heard everything, including what was coming out of Sirius and Remus's mouth too. So like, it's not just that, but just the like disregarding of their perspective and like, and, and again, like part of this is also just because Snape is petty and he sees James in Lily and Harry's eyes or whatever the fuck, but like just not taking the time to actually listen, especially because like, as we see like Hermione, I mean, Harry and Ron, like they all have really interesting perspectives and are catching things that like even Remus isn't catching. So yeah, that was just something that kind of came up for me when I was reading it this time. Although again, most of it was Snape and he's horrible. So that's to be expected. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We covered this a little bit, but just more proof about how Azkaban is just yikes city. Mm -hmm. Like, people are screaming terrible things in their sleep and just like, oh, it's just fucking horrible. That's all. It just is terrible. Yep. Yeah, like listening to reading series firsthand account of like being there, which is still like, it's like terrible, but still very understated is just. Wouldn't it have been amazing if in this chapter, when Harry was like, he's not worth enough for the two of you to become murderers for him, like, he can go to Azkaban, if Sirius would have been like, no one deserves to go to Azkaban, murdering him would be would be better and kinder, and your father actually would have wished that, <laughs> like, we took care of it in this way that's, like, much more fucking humanitarian than sending him to that prison. Yeah, it's a really good point. Right, or having, like, your soul sucked out and you're just kind of, uh... Right. Like, what's what's the difference? Other than, I guess, it's not... I guess he does say, like, oh, I don't think my dad want, would want y'all to become killers. Maybe it's, like, that it's, part it's, of it. It's more I always about, read it as like, more this... about them and keeping their... Well, Harry, yes. For Harry, I would, yeah. I would want Sirius to be like, no, I actually, <laughs> like, I hate this fucker, but I right. would not <laughs> This is actually fine. Him. Don't worry about yeah, my soul. I'm actually I'm doing him a kindness. <laughs> Right. I, I could not send him to Azkaban and, like, feel okay about it, but I feel fine about murdering him. Like, take, <laughs> let's sit with that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, 
and a better writer, this would be that would be a very interesting point to have made. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot about the Death Eaters. I are the, the, the Dementors because I feel like the Dementors gave me a lot of language about to understand depression in a way. But it also like you like you were saying like like the allegory falls falls apart sometimes because like there are a lot of ways in which like sometimes you're able to have a purpose and that pulls you out of your depression and pulls you into like the world. But then a lot of times, even as big as your purpose is, like you just, and I feel like maybe this is Dementor's Kissing, like you cannot climb out of it. Mm. And like, to me, like a Dementor's Kiss is like being in a fugue state, which have have, have had before. Um, and being able to just like see and understand everything that's going on, but not have any energy or capability or confidence that you could do anything about it so you just let it sit on you mm-hmm. and that being considered <laughs> considered a like just punishment I, I guess it goes back to what you're saying though it's not african it's not about having a just punishment or yeah. having a you know rehabilitation or even if you're guilty it's about keeping this other thing at bay mm-hmm. and sacrificing people to that yeah because mm-hmm. I guess it's also like if you if you want to believe that prison can be a rehabilit rehabilitative thing that's like pro- like it's one of those things where it proves that it can't be it's not mm-hmm. the way in which you rehabilitate people it's right. the way in which you punish and discard them mm-hmm. but yeah for <laughs> for that to have been like more explicitly shown in the books would have been really powerful I think but also to have the dementors as an or as an allegory. For mental illness and depression you have to also show people fighting against them and failing like you get with harry sometimes fighting mm-hmm. against them and persevering fighting against them persevering and then having to go take a fucking nap because <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like you don't get any of the like with remus it's just like oh i knew i was innocent and so i was able to push through and then you don't really see a lot about afterwards that like lasting of the lasting effects on that you know what i mean like he's just like he's serious now and like he's yeah he goes through like mood swings and stuff like that but you don't i mean i guess at one point when he when he is come face to face into to the dementors or when snape uh threatens him with dementors he has this like look of fear but i don't i don't think you get like i would have liked the scene in goblet of fire or in order of the phoenix where like harry comes in and Sirius is just like staring into nothingness <laughs> just lost in his own you know what i mean um because you don't really the the issue with like that allegory of azkaban is like and of dementors is like you don't get to see like the lasting impacts of it like that shit leaves scars even if you get past it and through it yeah yeah um i think my only thing here that we haven't already covered is jk rowling's just utter contempt for people that like are not like conventionally attractive and her complete inability to like not code her villains by making them physically repulsive is both like deeply fucked up and also incredibly boring yeah it's just like like we're not watching a disney movie like stop and I don't know. Also, all of the descriptions that she offers of Pettigrew, like, don't actually need to be 
written the way that like those could all be descriptions of someone who is lovely to look upon and it's only the way that she like weaponizes her words that makes it so that it's like oh he's like so terrible and i just am both over it and also never going to stop calling it out when it happens (laughs) absolutely and it's one of those things too where like it's also the way that because we've we've talked about this on wizard team too like it's also it's the way that they're either like if they don't if they don't start off looking like terrible in her descriptions then they somehow get there because Pettigrew too is like the way that he's described um i think when harry sees that picture in deathly hollows it's very much like i mean you know he's like reading part reading some of like his knowledge into it but it's like oh yeah it's like you know this boy reminds me of him of neville and it's like real kind of like i guess neutral or you know more like leans more positive or even like Voldemort when they're talking about like oh yeah he used to be like beautiful and all this kind of stuff and now all of a sudden like as he in quotes like devolved into evil doing or whatever then suddenly that like changes his appearance and while I believe that given just like you know you're splitting your soul you're doing a lot of stuff like things happen it's def it's like a um it's a pattern that she has and so you can't really take that from take that out of what she's doing to like all these other people especially like just random slytherins who are minding their business right. like <laughs> Millicent bullstrode in particular like i'm like and she, pansy. she's just and pansy too like all these people are just like they're chilling like why did why does it have to be like this there's right. also something too I, I think we talked about on lizard team too about like how powerful it would be to be evil and handsome and you know what i mean like in terms of like the ways in which it's like if you set up all of these all of these people that have this trait then like mate can we just get one who doesn't fall and follow that pattern or or even just like just the way you describe people in general yeah like because the yeah. way she describes people just generally is kind of like i will why? say too it's one of those things that i'm not sure if i noticed upon first reading but definitely noticed very quickly even in before you know being involved in fandom or anything like that and thankfully I was an avid reader beyond Harry Potter and also like just had I think like a good moral compass and home structure or whatever but I think about like what that does to readers who are not as critical or mm-hmm. or, or or just like kids and kids just, in general yeah. and like they don't have someone combating that because it does happen so often like you said like this isn't Disney but like if you're, wa- you're reading Harry Potter and you're watching Disney like that shit compounds and like yeah. makes a home you know lives rent free in your brain and you have to do a lot of work to unpack and unlearn those things and so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where it's like it's lazy like you said and and boring but when you're reading it too, you're just like, what is wrong with you that this is the only ways in which you can describe badness or the only ways right. in which you can contextualize someone not being a good person? Mm-hmm. I know plenty of yeah. good people who are not conventionally attractive, like deeply good people who are not conventionally attractive. I know plenty of deeply awful people who are conventionally attractive. And sometimes they more the more conventionally attractive you are the more awful that you're allowed to be and so it's just yeah it's it's annoying mm-hmm. and boring yeah i think I, okay so i don't remember how lucius is described but I, I think like draco is maybe the only person who is i mean draco's evilness is sort of like complex i feel like i mean 
Harry has a huge crush on him, but like he's described as like being very attractive. Yeah, no. So we do have that other category of the way that evil people can look, which uh, young Tom and or young Voldemort and Lucius Malfoy fall into, which is gay. <laughs> too pre- too pretty on a man. You know is what? Also That's true. evil. Yeah. So you know. Also from also Disney. Disney loves an, an attractive gay villain. So true. Yep. OJ Um <laughs> You're right. I can't. I'm, I'm like, who is like, who is like an attractive villain who wasn't gay? And I'm like, all Disney villains are gay. I mean, Disney villains, yeah. But like, I mean, like Grindelwald was like basically like straight up gay. And, like, and, yeah, like the way that Draco and Lucius are described, and Young Tom. Riddle. He was gay, and then he turned unattractive. Uh, Grindelwald. <laughs> he got both. <laughs> yeah, if you're evil enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's over. Umbridge is both. She's too feminine. Yeah, exactly. But even in her like toad like like in the uh, I forgot the artist's name, but in the chapter illustration of her too, Mm -hmm. she has kind of that like quintessential like short, stocky lesbian. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's not true, but like stereotypical. Yeah, but like in a. In, like, such an unrealistic way, where I feel like when I read book four, I'm like, I am actually having a hard time imagining what Umbridge looks like, because her descriptions yeah. don't fit, like, no. what people look like. Right. right. And, I mean, I have a lot of issues with the movies, and obviously, like, quote, there's a thing about, like, quote-unquote, like, Hollywood ugly, where it's like, you're still very conventionally attractive, but I appreciate that the person that casts Umbridge in the movie looks like half of the, like, terrible, shitty white lady managers I've had in my entire life. (laughs) So, like, it's just like, okay, yeah, you're just, like, a shitty white lady. Right, it's like, I can see that. I've worked for several of (laughs) (laughs) y'all. You know, like, you don't don't have to make her look not like a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she's, like, described as, like, toad-like and, like, short and stocky, but also, like, full of, like, pink and fluff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. All right, reining it into this book. Who else who has politics still left? Um, I do a bit in terms of and I don't know exactly where this falls, but having a politician like insert themselves into sacred institutions and having a politic do that, which you see in this book when like Fudge just declares that they're going to be dementors at Hogwarts and we know that Dumbledore doesn't agree with that, but all it reminds me a lot of like standardized testing. And we get a little bit of that with like the newts and stuff, but like someone completely devoid from the school and how it's working has decided that this is the only way in which this thing can happen. And for like a top down change to the school, even though it like causes way more troubles and there's no real thought out process for it. And I, I see this a lot. Like I went to a high school <laughs> In which we had a couple of years of just really awful scandals. And there was just like the ways in which that stuff was like course corrected was like you could tell that the person who came up with like the fix had never set foot on our school before. Mm. <laughs> and it was just, and it, so I think it's a political thing. And it goes back to like must be seen to be doing something type of stuff. But like having someone so completely devoid from the school make like these drastic decisions and like changes it really does change like even just like how much and how well the children learn right like how can you actually you know study and learn when you have like this 
overall sense of doom mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. just hanging over you. And they're sleeping and living in a, in a mini Afghanistan all year. Right. Yeah. I know. It's, it's almost as if there needs to be some uh, more uh, oversight in <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck the ministry does. To, does or does not do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Um, will you please tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Yeah. So we are at blackgirlscreate.org, which is where everything is. You can find Wizard Team there. You can find, we have a Doctor Who podcast um, called Tarbis on there. We also have essays and fanfic and features of black creators and probably other things that i'm forgetting about but it's all on there um and then we are on mostly on twitter at like blk girls create because you can't we couldn't add those extra two letters and instagram at black girls create though we are trying to get better trying to get better (laughs) we've we've asked the gaily prophet numerous times to adjust their ways um, we're working on it um we're also at patreon.com slash black girls create and there true. you can access um other podcasts and content that we have we have a monthly fire whiskey chat where we'll talk about anything from the fandom to the random we're currently doing a bi-weekly romance podcast called fits and giggles <laughs> and we had a bi-weekly limited edition lord of the rings podcast that you can find there too um at a certain level yeah strongly recommend that you check it out jesse and i just joined their patreon recently and it is a delight (laughs) it yeah we do do too much honestly and it's it's okay it's not gonna change so we're just gonna embrace it accepting it it. (laughs) um we we definitely understand that yeah it just so many ideas and they especially come like at when we're already in the middle of something then it's like oh but what if we also did this so that's a thing. We'll never want for content. And yeah, and then I'm on Twitter at Yana wrote it. And I think that's my Instagram too. But Instagram is mostly just pictures of my family and my baby siblings. If that's what you're into, so I guess. <laughs> um, I am on Twitter at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N underscore rambles. I'm on Instagram at Robin Ravenclaw, but it's solely pictures of my dog, Luna Lovegood Fitzgerald. <laughs> That's the content we all need right now. <laughs> it is. The Gaily Prophet is produced, mixed, and edited by me, Lark Malachi Gray. You can find us all over the internet at The Gaily Prophet. That's our social handles and our website. That is also how you can find our Patreon, which you should do if you are a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because we are starting a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast for only our patrons. First episode comes out on Halloween. Don't miss out. Uh, You can support us in other ways by buying merch or making a one-time donation or for free by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you can leave reviews. Um, If you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. That's also how you spell my website where you can get a tarot reading from me. You can find Jesse on Instagram at Live from Detroit or on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time... Severus Snape sucks.